Welcome to Seeking Paradise, Reflections on Spirituality, Community and Justice. I remember when I was very young, um, six or seven years old, something like that, um, I had a kind of a, a philosophical crisis. <laughs> I didn't exactly call it that, but it was a philosophical crisis. I might be misremembering part of this, but I remember my big sister had told me something about um, Elizabethan ladies had very, very big haircuts and they were so big and complicated that they had mice living in them. And I remember uh, when something like this subject came up at school, I enthusiastically put my hand up and told my teacher this. But my teacher dismissed my comments saying, oh, don't be silly, Stephen. That's nonsense. Now, this really uh, struck, uh, has stuck in my mind. Um, because I can feel kind of the emotional hurt of that moment and the feeling kind of of it as, as a bit of a, a little crisis. And the crisis was sort of a crisis about how you know things. I knew things because authority figures told me things. My parents told me things. My big sister told me things. My teacher told me things. These were the authorities who told me what was true. And the fact that two different authorities, my sister and my teacher, uh, could disagree about something or give me uh, contradicting information about something um, created a kind of a, a crisis. If two authority figures could disagree about something, it showed that looking to authority was not a totally reliable way of getting truth. And I'm not saying I thought about it in quite such a philosophical ways at the time, but I, I remember the emotion of that. It's, it's obviously still in my memory. So it did represent a kind of painful lesson of growth. Now, I don't want to overplay that, of course. It wasn't a terrible childhood tra trauma. It was a moment of growth and yet yeah, it stuck with me. The world wasn't quite as I understood it. And I had to learn to rely on a more complicated process for understanding it. This is natural, of course, as we grow and go from accepting authority to thinking for ourselves and asking more questions about the world. I continue to ask questions in my childhood and my teenage years and that question asking that curiosity got me uh, here curiosity is our theme this month and it's one of the core virtues of a liberal spiritual path to be drawn with with deep uh, with a deep gravitational pull to understand things and to know what's over the horizon, to be curious to know what is over the horizon. It's a theme that comes up in a lot of different films and, and science fiction that really gets that sense of maybe there's more to the world than they're telling me. 
I think of films films like uh, The Matrix or, or or The Truman Show and lots actually uh, that are examples of this. In The Truman Show, a man's whole life is just a fictional television program, but he doesn't know it. He's the one real person surrounded by actors and surrounded by a fictional world. And certain limits are put on his existence so he never gets too curious about what is beyond his fictional world. He's given a fear of water so that he never wants to cross over a bridge to get to the other side. He says he wants to be an explorer, but they tell him that the whole world's been discovered. There's nothing more to find. And anyway, the world is a very dangerous place. And this little town is perfect. So why would you want to go anywhere else? Despite all these efforts to suppress Truman's curiosity, it still pulls him to go out and see what more there is to the world. Curiosity is a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing to totalizing systems. Totalizing religions and cults want you to read their literature, watch their television, or have friends within the community, and will suppress too much reading or finding out things beyond the closed community. You know, totalizing Islam does not want you to read books about Christianity. And totalizing Christianity does not want you to read books about Islam. A little knowledge can be a dangerous thing. And this is true in politics as well. I was hearing very depressing uh, reports from Hungary recently. While technically a democracy and a member of the European Union, Hungary is a country verging on totalitarianism. While the media give gives hours and hours of coverage to the government, in recent elections it gave only five minutes to allow opposition parties to speak. The parliament is no longer televised, so opposition parties, opposition voices are just not heard. In su such a system, it's only the curious who take it upon themselves to find out what the other side of the story is, to seek out and hear what the opposition are saying. And there's a lot of this around in the world, you know, right now in Russia, in Turkey, we can see this uh, uh, oppression and repression of different voices. And the UK is slipping further and further in this direction as well. The passing this week of the police crime sentencing and courts bill puts serious restrictions on peaceful protest. The proposed selling off of Channel 4 threatens to silence one of the most effective news sources we have in this country. And the election bill passed this week again makes voting more difficult and undermines the independence of the Electoral Commission. Our freedom, our curiosity is under threat as the powers do not want us to think, to find out alternatives, to listen to multiple voices. But to return to faith as well, the spiritual path of curiosity can be hard work and a lonely road in some ways. Once we open to curiosity and, and not to not be satisfied with easy answers, we find ourselves in uncertain territory. We may find ourselves overwhelmed with questions, feeling rather 
disorientated. We used to know what we believe. Now we have no idea. A lot of people come to the Unitarian community in this place. We want a place where our questions are honored and where we know there are not easy answers. We know what we don't believe. We know that the simple answers won't do. But sometimes we wonder if there are any answers at all. Of course, in some ways, this is a very privileged place to be in. In my life, I have wondered if, if there's a God, of, of what existence is all about, what my life is about. But I haven't wondered where my next meal is coming from. I've not questioned whether I'm safe. I've not questioned what I need to do to survive. And those questions put the other ones in a rather different light. We should never forget that. We should never be so concerned with our own rather abstract questions, although they may still sort of be real and important to us, that we're not understanding the questions of those people who are asking how to be safe, how to survive how to get through things. Those questions should shape all of our questions. But we still do, can live in those real crises of meaning. In 1902, a 19-year-old Austrian army cadet called Franz Kappus was wrestling with these kind of questions about whether to stay in the military, about the meaning of his life, about whether he was good enough to be a poet. He wrote to the poet Rainer Maria Rilke, and this correspondence was later published as letters to a young poet. Now, in one part of that, Rilke writes in response to these questions that they feel different to him since he, he, he traveled from the city into the countryside and it was more surrounded by nature. The questions feel different here, he says. And he advised Kappus to stop wrestling with these questions as such, but to try to love the questions themselves, as if they were locked rooms or books written in a very foreign language. Rilke suggests we don't intellectually come to solutions, but rather we seek to live the questions to live into reality itself, to pay attention to the world, to find somehow the questions come to answers in our living, not just in our intellectualizing, but in our living, in our direct relationship with reality, with nature, with the universe, in that living, the questions will come to answers in our hearts. Live the questions, is what Rilke says. Live the questions. That's what it means to live with curiosity as a core value, to live the questions. It's not an easy answer. It's hardly an answer at all in some ways. And yet I think it is part of the answer. So what might it mean for you what might it mean for you to live the questions?